Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. But why didn't you do it over 20, uh, the no, last no, 25 wait, no. years? Because you weren't president. Why did you do it over because the last you weren't president years? screwing no, 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 things no. up. You were a senator. And You're the, the way, worst you president America has ever had. Hey, hey, Come Joe, on. Let me, let me just tell you, Joe. I've done more. In- okay, boys. Okay. <laughs> That's like old news now, right? Yeah, the debate. I love that. I'm starting to appreciate the debate more. Damn, I'm getting ready oh. to do another famous flip flop. This one on the debate. Yeah. Oh, all right. No. Uh, by the way, uh, go ahead. A warning. Uh, I think a Ma- another Madigan flip flop could be coming. Just a warning. <laughs> Just every now and then it happens. All right. Be on the lookout for that Madigan flip flop here <laughs> later on. All right, your yeah. Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, October 2nd is just moments away. But before we do this, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, their sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you so much, unions. Cool. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Discover more about our wondrous, world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits, from our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world, and learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com. Dot com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. All right. The song of the day from Bob Seger, Old Time Rock and Roll. 
Oh, uh, okay, I'm going to conjure up Tom Cruise in Risky Business with the glasses on. Still like some motor rock and roll. Oh, yeah. oh, woo. Move my soul. <laughs> hey, we never I said they're good uh, songs, all right? They're good, uh, well-sang songs. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, October 2nd, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Ramana Hussein. Now your host. No, he is no Bob Seeger. <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Positively Trump Friday. And here's why. Guess it's not a hoax after all, everybody. Donald Trump. President Trump has COVID. First Lady Melania Trump has it as well. I know this because the president tweeted it last night. Actually, I think it may have been after midnight. So technically it was early this morning when he tweeted it. And if Donald Trump tweeted it, Dennis, it must be true. I mean, if we've learned anything in the last four years, it's that, right? Yes. Now, come on, lefties out there. Donald wouldn't lie about this. We'll get, we'll get to my lefty friends who immediately were doubting and skeptical about this, to put it mildly. Anyways, I said the word broke a little after midnight Chicago time. I'll tell you what I was doing, folks. I was watching a rough cut of movie maker Steve James' latest epic, A City So Real. I was actually watching the epilogue to a four-part series Steve James did about the Chicago 2019 mayoral election. Uh, Steve James was uh, kind enough to provide me with that. The show is going to drop in uh, later this month. But here's the deal. The epilogue takes us from the early days of the pandemic when we're sort of walking around stunned and the city's a ghost town and Mayor Lightfoot is riding high as our protector and there's all those memes about Lori. Everybody loves Lori. And then the movie goes through the George Floyd murder and the unrest and the battles in the street and Raylo cussing out Lori and Lori cussing out Raylo and loud, strident, angry voices everywhere. And I'm watching this and thinking the world is coming to an end. This is what we've lived through. What else could happen? And bing, up on my phone comes the breaking news about Donald Trump testing positive. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, all the other news of the day was eclipsed. And among the other news getting eclipsed, I'll just read a few items. Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, closing drop-off locations throughout the state. A blatant, obvious, clear attempt at voter suppression to keep black people from voting and to benefit the Republicans. Come on, folks. We can see that. Two Republican operatives charged with fraud in Michigan after they're caught allegedly setting robocalls to thousands of black voters in Detroit and the Detroit area, telling them that voting by mail is illegal and it could result in jail time. Another blatant attempt at voter suppression. Melania Trump caught on tape dropping the F-bomb and taunting liberals and saying that she wore that I don't care jacket while visiting children in detention centers uh, at the border in order to irritate liberals which it did, by the way, Melania. So consider it mission accomplished. And it's like everything is going wrong. All the wheels are coming off the the car and boom. Out comes Donald Trump's tweet. 
and nobody's talking about any of us. Now, the first reaction of many Democrats to this, I must confess, D, I'm not going to cover this up. The first reaction to many of my Democratic friends, actually, take Democrat out of the sentence. A lot of these are just hardcore lefties. They don't even like the Democrats. I always try to educate people about the difference between a Democrat and a lefty, a liberal and a lefty. They all get clumped together in the age of Trump. Real serious lefties don't like Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, but they're going to vote for him because they despise Trump. But uh, anyway, so a lot of my lefty friends are like, yeah, this is uh, this is Donald Trump reaping what he sowed. And, you know, there's it's it's an interesting point. Donald Trump has been alternating between saying he takes the pandemic seriously and saying it's not to be taken seriously, saying it's real and saying it's a hoax. He's alternated between saying we should wear masks and making fun of people who do wear masks. He just got finished making fun of Joe Biden at Tuesday's debate for wearing a mask too much. He all but called Joe Biden a wimp, bragged that his rallies were bigger than Joe's rallies, said that no one wanted to go to Joe's rallies. It was like pandemic taunting. And then he followed that up by going on a rally to Minnesota just to let everybody know where he stands. So I got a feeling that there's something to the fact that Republicans have this notion in the back of their minds that only Democrats get the virus, that it only hits black people or Latino people or people who live in big cities. It's almost like they think if you're voting for Trump, you're not going to get it, which is a really weird thing to think to think that somehow or other the virus cares about your political persuasion. And that's why they gather in big rallies without a mask in sight to cheer on Trump. And now Trump has it. Immediately, by the way, my lefty friends, another batch of lefty friends were skeptical. This is a different group than the ones who said he got what he deserves. This is a group that says they don't think he really has it. They said, He's doing it to make us feel sorry for him. And I got to say to this, I say that I say this to that. I say this, excuse me. Come on, guys. That's really low. First of all, President Trump doesn't care if you feel sorry for him. Second of all, it's not very macho like. Personally, I do not believe my lefty friends who say that Donald Trump is making this up. Personally, I think that would be a level of coordination that is beyond anything Trump could pull off. Personally, I think that talk like that lands in conspiracy country. Should play that uh, that 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 music you play that eerie weird music. <laughs> now, there's another theory out there, and this is a theory from my wrestling friends. I think you know who my wrestling friend is, and this is a theory. I will not I'd release the identity of the person who put this theory in my mind. Guys, I think it was, I think he's talking about me. (laughs) Wait a minute, you was not. Hold on, bag. You're talking about me? (laughs) That's the cat in the bag. You weren't supposed to reveal that, okay? Okay? Okay, so it is me, all right. (laughs) Anyway, I wasn't thinking this until a certain someone, I'll just give you a hint. His first name begins with a D. He comes from Alton, Illinois, and a lot of people call him the doctor. Not a doctor. How's it going? (laughs) Anyway, this certain somebody said, you know, there's a 
classic wrestling move where when one of the wrestlers, it looks like he's down and out and about to lose, all of a sudden springs to life. It's like a miracle and beats his opponent. And the crowd's going, yeah, I thought it was over, but you won. You see this in a lot of movies, by the way. This is like Rocky. Rocky getting pummeled left, right? But all of a sudden, in the last round, he finds the energy. <laughs> That's a theory. That's another theory. I don't buy that theory. Although, ever since a certain someone put it in my head, I can't quite shake it. Anyway, I'm going to take the high road. To be like Joe Biden. So I'm the low road in this scenario, guys. <laughs> I'm going to take the high road. And on behalf of Dennis and myself, I want to say to President Trump, I hope you get well and hope to see you at the next debate. Right, D? Isn't this the high road? You're supposed to say things like this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say this this pandemic is serious, folks. And I think it's time even the Republicans recognize this. This thing is for real. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramona Hussain will be here. We'll see if she believes in these conspiracy theories. Ramona Hussain, a huge wrestling fan. Uh, and we'll see if she uh, buys this theory, which is certain someone who I will not reveal, but his first initial is D, and he comes from Alton. All right, they're just suggestions. Brain. I'm not, you know, I'm not really convinced that what's going on. It's just, you know. No, but you put it in my brain. It's fun to think about, I mean, right? I know. Ever since you did that, I've been texting people. Like, do you think this could possibly be fake? Yeah. I mean, I, I, people are going, come on, Ben, get real. Yeah, give, give you the mic for two more minutes, and I'm going to be Alex Jones by the time my news starts here. <laughs> what would Alex Jones take us on this? Anyway, uh, plenty of political talk ahead. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man that Alex Jones calls the doctor with the news. Hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Alex Jones. I mean, I'm Dennis. <laughs> I'm Dennis. All right. It's the second day of the 10th month of the absolute batshit craziest year known to all mankind. Hey, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. No public events listed for our Chicago mayor. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, hey, good afternoon. Mayor. <laughs> Took a while, mayor. Like, you can't get your tongue. Yeah, she, had, she was drinking water, that thing you do. And, oh, uh, hold on one second. Oh, there we go, yeah. Oh, See, you can relate. That's what yeah. Mayor Lightfoot was doing. Mm. Go ahead, D. And no public event scheduled for the Illinois governor. I'm yeah. not a perfect person. <laughs> uh, we do, haven't played that one in a while. We do have another update on Madigan Gate. The time utility giants Commonwealth Edison admitted to arranging giants jobs, contracts, and payoffs to the associates of Mike Madigan. We have more candidate campaign ads from the 13th Congressional District race. Oh, and Donald Trump tested positive for COVID-19. But let's begin with the news out of Chicago. We'll probably do our Madigan Gate update after uh, Ramana Hussein, and we'll try to pepper in some Trump COVID news as we do the local news. Ben, you've been killing it on the sound effects uh, as of late. Do we have any sound effects for peppering in some news? Any uh, pepper? Yep. Oh, let's hear it. Pepper? Well, first of all, it's the pepper. You could do the okay. peppercorn. All right. And then here's the peppering on the, the, the food. Oh, it's okay. Quiet. It's more like salt than pepper. Okay. And here's eating it. Too much pepper. 
Well, when I, mean, we, I got so many sound effects. I know, I know. When we get to the national news, I'll let you choose which pepper you're going to use. Um, but let's <laughs> add that to the list now. We have cat out of the bag. Can we hear that? <laughs> Incredible. We got uh, flip flop. What's the flip flop noise? You're gonna hear. You're gonna hear another one of the. I, my problem with my flip flops of Madigan, I can't remember. I flip flopped so many times. No, you think he should resign right now? Right now, you think he should resign? Oh, okay. Ah, uh, oh, okay. I'm flipping flop again. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Now I remember. I'm all over the map. <laughs> Man, Madigan would kick me out of his caucus. That's so many times. I can't depend on you. I need a rubber stamp. You're a flip flopping machine. So you're out. Oh, come on. Give me another chance, boss. No, leave. I'm the rubber band man, rubber band okay, man. Okay, let's just do Sorry. the news here. The mayor has another administration change to deal with. She has no public events scheduled, so who knows? Maybe she's on Indeed.com right now, combing through resumes. You never What's know. It Indeed.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Frank Main, and Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Mayor Lightfoot's deputy mayor for public safety is resigning just days after delivering a report outlining City Hall's strategy to tamp down runaway violence, sources told the Chicago Sun-Times on Thursday. Susan Lee, deputy mayor for public safety, was appointed in June 2019 and was hired to shift Chicago away from a, quote, law enforcement-driven solution to gang violence violence, but had drawn up sharp criticism from Alderman, Alderman, who wanted Lightfoot to fire her. Ben Jarofsky, what say you? Uh, what do we know about Susan Lee? Should we be concerned about another Lightfoot staffer stepping down? And what are the chances this lady resigned after seeing that Halloween costume the mayor was wearing <laughs> during that press conference yesterday, huh? Uh, I, I think uh, that's probably the reason. By the way, there was a picture to sometimes of her uh, wearing the costume. Uh, I don't listen. These are one of those palace guard stories that uh, pop in the papers from time to time uh, by uh, and, you know, the ultimate the, the reality is this. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Susan Lee uh, comes to Chicago from California. She's uh, probably going to go back to California. And uh, it's an impossible position because there was so much controversy. And again, this is on my mind because I just saw this movie last night, which just brought back to life, all the events that had taken place from roughly the end of May to the end of August with constant strife, uh, protests, uh, violence, unrest, etc., and so forth. Ray Lowe fighting with Mary, uh, Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, Mary Lightfoot, Mayor Lightfoot, <laughs> uh, Mayor Lightfoot fighting, fighting with Ray Lowe. All these uh, all these memories came back. And so someone's, you know, like either she burnt out or they go, you know what? Let's get her out of here. We'll blame her. And this is classic Chicago. Oh, my God. You got to know this, folks. In Chicago, what aldermen do uh, if they're getting heat from their constituents and they want to make it look like they're championing the interests of their constituents, they, they pick a fight with the mayor, but they don't really want to fight with the mayor per se, unless you're Raylo, you know, because the mayor is a very powerful person and will be around for a while. So you pick some aid. It's like easier to beat up on. Really pick a, an aide who's not from Chicago, so doesn't have a constituency here, doesn't have a lot of friends here and allies, and then you beat up on him or her. 
And that's a favorite thing uh, that Alderman do. I remember Alderman Ray Suarez was the master of this at budget hearings. Oh, my God. McDumkey and I would laugh about this. He would be grilling some aide to Mayor Daly, you know, making that aide sweat. And then Mayor Daly would come in the room. Oh, hey, Mr. Mayor, <laughs> bowing down to him. So it's an old trick that Alderman do. And so, uh, yeah, Susan Lee is the scapegoat. Uh, they'll bring somebody else in. The, the reality is Mayor Lightfoot on the issue of policing has many uh, difficult decisions ahead. Number one, she's got the police contract. She has to worry about how much money she can afford to pay the police officers. Number two, will she change, can she change the language in the contract uh, that uh, sets up a system to punish police officers who are accused of wrongdoing as opposed to making letting it go through the arbitration process uh, as it does now. And then the number three, there's the budget issues. Like there's a movement to defund the police I don't think it uh, has a widespread uh, support throughout the city of Chicago, but a number of the progressive aldermen, some of my lefty friends in the city council are for it. So she's under pressure there. So, you know, maybe it's time to get a, just a new voice in there, D. Or maybe Susan Lee just said, I've had it with this crazy city. I'm going, (laughs) I'm getting out of here as fast as I can. By the way, I cannot blame her if she came to that decision. I moved here in 1981 and 1982. By 1982, I was going, should I stick around this place? place is crazy and then 82 came 83 and harold washington was here and i was like yay anyway i've been here ever since every day day doesn't pass well since the pandemic i don't do it where i'll go i'm going to california i'm gonna get a ferrari i'm gonna drive across the country that's what i'm gonna do d here it is what's the year in the year 2020 and i'm still here so it's politics city hall style it's uh palace court politics wouldn't take it too serious. In a written statement, Lightfoot praised Lee as a, quote, invaluable member of my senior leadership team who has helped to lead public safety and violence reduction efforts. The statement said Lightfoot was informed of Lee's decision to resign over the summer and that Lee would continue, quote, in a consultant role on police reform, consent decree, compliance, violence reduction and youth diversion after leaving City Hall. Okay, now let's pepper in that national news. Ben, pepper, hit it. Hold on. That's the pepper mill. By the way, Gary Owen does a very funny bit about a pepper mill. That's all I'm going to say. Check it out. Google Gary Owen pepper mill. You love Gary Owen, don't you, D? He's okay. He's good. (laughs) All right. We had enough of the pepper. Too much pepper. Okay, hold on. Let me take some of it. I'll get a fork and scooping some of the pepper. There you go. Thank you. All right. uh, Let's get some updates here from what we learned last night that our president, Donald Trump, has tested positive for COVID-19. Okay, now so far, uh, Joe and Joe Biden have tested negative for coronavirus. As we all know, uh, Biden shared the debate stage with Trump on Tuesday, but the two presidential nominees were instructed not to shake hands and remain several feet apart from each other. Uh, The president's campaign has announced any events involving Trump or his family will be postponed or held in a virtual setting. Uh, Let's see here. We got Bill Stipen. He said in a statement Mm. that all previously announced campaign events involving the president's participation are in the process of being moved to virtual events or are being temporarily postponed. Uh, Stipen noted Vice President Mike Pence would continue with his campaign schedule because he is tested negative, although it can take several days for coronavirus symptoms to develop. All right. Can you imagine Mike Pence trying to pull off a Donald Trump rally? 
I mean, we were talking yesterday about uh, Samina Mustafa was my guest. Oh, that show is dropping this weekend. Dave. That's uh, that's good. That was good. The tease. Thank you. You can download it. We're both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. And wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Go ahead. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation with Samina. I urge everybody to check it out. But, uh, you know, we were talking about Donald Trump's rally in Minnesota and how he was targeting Omar. And uh, he was in full Donald Trump bravado and uh, talking about uh, that if Joe Biden gets elected, there'll be waves of uh, immigrants coming to our country, will be overridden, they'll be all going to Minnesota, all going to Minnesota. So he's like, once again, ripping away at the, at the wounds, trying to pit one group against another, doing absolutely everything he can to uh, whip up fear on the part of Minnesotans, particularly white Minnesotans. Let's be clear what he's up to. Uh, and uh, so I just can't see Mike Pence playing that role as convincing. Well, definitely yeah. not as convincingly as Donald Trump. He may believe everything Donald Trump says when he says that, but I just can't see Mike Pence slipping into that role. Just so that shamelessness with Donald Trump just doubles down on whatever he's inane things he's saying. So, uh, yeah, they could send Mike Pence's, Pence out to uh, Minnesota, who, by the way, is going to risk life and limb to see Mike Pence. Cult has, I mean, Trump has a real cult file following. MAGA loves Trump. You know, they, they, it's like he said, they would support him. They've supported him, though. All cheats on his taxes supports him. Accused of rape supports him. Uh, accused of extorting foreign ministers ex uh, supports him. Uh, accused, well, told his um, his staffers to ignore some congressional subpoenas supports him. Uh, maligns politicians, swears, curses, brags about grabbing women by the private parts supports him. So I don't think MAGA would love Mike Pence quite the same way, D. If Mike, can you imagine Mike Pence trying yeah. to pull that yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. to continue our uh, our wrestling theme this week, uh, you said that Trump's like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm trying to think of what wrestler uh, Mike Pence would be like. Uh, he's kind of like a IRS, the the tax wrestler, Erwin R. Scheister. Just not not that great, you know? Wouldn't bring a big draw in, you know what I mean? By the way... No one knows wrestling quite like Dr. D. We are going to do this d deep dive on wrestling. I'm going to bring uh, Dennis. Well, we have another guest. We, this guy's playing hard to get apparently right now. He, he wants us to double his uh, salary for what he appearances on the show. Uh, but we're going to do the deep dive because I do not know what you call IRS. IRS. <laughs> his name was Erwin R. Scheister and his initials were IRS. And he was a he was a tax guy. He was a, you know. Tax well, consultant, <laughs> and he was a wrestler. He came out with a briefcase, and he had like suspenders, and he'd go, "You better pay your taxes." <laughs> that would be well. The, the guy that I I think of as pants would be a Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is, owns the Wrestling Federation. He's the owner, and he comes into the ring, and he's just confident. He strides in there like he's the man, and then somebody comes in and challenges him. And this is what I like. I think like Donald Trump's, you know, someone comes in and challenges him, and he buckles. He starts cowering, and he's got this scared look on his face, like, "Huh, what's going to happen?" And then that one, that one scene where uh, uh, Steve Austin would slaps him or something, and next thing you know, he's wet his pants. You know that? Remember that one thing? Yeah, of and, course I remember that one. <laughs> Come on, dude. So, 
And I think Mike Pence would be more of that role. You know what I'm saying? He would be the patsy. Uh, who would Joe Biden be? Joe Biden. What wrestler would Joe Biden be? You know, I got to think about that. I got to think about that. I'll have an answer uh, after the news here, but let's get back to the local news. Oh, sorry. Yeah, come on. The magic number is 32. We're now 32 days away from Election Day. And thanks to this damn dirty coronavirus, we've been wondering how many people will be showing up to the polls this election season. Well, you know, as opposed to voting by mail and staying completely the hell away from everyone. Our host, Ben Jarofsky, let it be known a long time ago. He's going to be voting in the polls. Uh, by the way, Ben, we haven't flip-flopped on that one yet, have we? Absolutely. I'm going to get into this. i got to read something from Babs that he put on my, uh, I'm calling up. A, damn, going onto my phone, little millennial thing oh, here. Oh, my uh, goodness. While I'm talking to you, I'm going onto my phone. Well, yeah. early, voting began yeah. on, early voting began on Thursday in Chicago. And if Thursday's voter turnout is any indication, and, well, Ben, I'm not sure if you're going to be excited to hear this or not. You'll have plenty of company at the polls in November. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and The Dude, Mitch Dudek. Uh, the line, <laughs> that's his name now. <laughs> do, you, do you know him? Did you ever meet him? I don't, I don't know him. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I saw him in the cafeteria or something. I don't know. I miss okay. you, Mitch. Uh, all right. Uh, the line outside a polling place in the loop on Thursday, the city's first day of early voting, stretched for three blocks and was filled with eager people. And don't worry, we will have quotes from those eager people, including quotes from our former Chicago mayor. I just biked around Lake Michigan. Oh, God. <laughs> Nearly a thousand miles. Uh, did you see anybody and talk about health care with them, Rob? We don't have that quote. I don't have that audio. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but first, hey, let's read this piece from Dudek. Uh, a spokeswoman for the Chicago Board of Elections said that 186 in-person ballots were cast in the first 50 minutes of voting. By wow. late Thursday afternoon, 960 in-person ballots had been cast, and a total of 8,276 mail-in ballots had been received. Uh, the early voting site downtown at Clark and Lake Streets, uh, which opened at 9 a.m., will be the city's only in-person early voting location until October 14th uh, when early voting sites will open in each of the city's 50 aldermanic wards. Ben, this is good news, is it not? Yes. And now I'm going to read this uh, message that Babs put on my um, Facebook wall. Uh, and uh, it says, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, Ben, that interview with my guy, <laughs> Professor David Ferris, didn't slam the door in 2019 until the 42 minute mark. Everyone's a critic. Eh? Uh, hello. 2020 is calling. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Trump is manufacturing a vote by mail catastrophe because Democrats showed their hand early, urging everyone to vote by mail. How Hey, how about this for your bumper sticker? A vote by mail is a vote for Trump. I liken what the good professor was saying about our democratic institutions to what he was saying about RBG. She couldn't have known a thing had escalated to this point. Read a Republican coup. Let me put it this way. What is stopping Mitch McConnell, Trump bar, and the Supremes from completely ignoring your girl, Nancy Pelosi? What was that, the Constitution? Humana, humana. And uh, about your girl Pelosi and current Democratic Party leadership, what professor, professor is saying in his book is that they are guilty of malpractice and so forth forth i there's there's a uh, bab's not the only person that's been reaching out to me to say ben stop promoting vote by mail and you know it's it's so difficult because i have 
uh, so many activist friends uh, in, the, in the indivisible groups have been working so hard on this issue and working with state officials and, dem- and elected officials uh, to set up a system where people feel comfortable voting by mail so they don't feel compelled to go to the, the voting booth, um, to the uh, voting site, so they're not like f- putting themselves in jeopardy of getting the virus. And, and yet I feel like this counterattack coming because I think Bab is absolutely correct. The Republican Party, uh, once they saw that the Democratic strategy uh, was to, to encourage a lot of people vote by mail, the Republican Party has just been actively doing whatever they can to poison the notion of voting by mail. This is so obvious and so clear. The New York Times has been writing extensively about it, but it's gotten into the minds of people. And and so now so many voters I know are like it's like a it's like a poison that seeps into their heads and they don't trust the system. You know, they wonder if their vote will be counted. And I'm going to have Rose come on. She's coming on later this next week to talk about uh, answer any questions I have about vote by mail and how the their safeguards uh, written into the system. I'm going to have an activist from Wisconsin coming on uh, later today to do an interview about vote by mail and voting situations in Wisconsin where the Republicans are openly engaging in voter suppression tactics it's they know it's the only way they can win this election they know it they read the same polls we do and they have inside polls as well and that's why donald trump is playing the game that he's playing uh to try to it's it it really is just playing it's it's a two-part process one it uh fires up his supporters who have this sense of victimhood which is really bizarre because they've controlled, they control two branches of government right now. Uh, and the other one, they, they uh, have the, I mean, the other one is split because they have the Senate. So, but somehow or other, they think of themselves as victims. It's remarkable uh, how Republicans do that. So it feeds their feeling of victimhood. And at the same time, it, it, it kind of gets Democrats startled. So I personally, D, I'm with the people who lined up, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm with Rahm Emanuel in this one. Oh, all right. right. Well, let's read some eager voter quotes here. Uh, Here is early voter Harleen Ellen. She's 57 and lives in the South Loop. Harleen said, quote, it's showtime. She allegedly (laughs) fist bumped with her husband after casting their ballots. Her husband, Mike Kramer, said he... Uh, in, uh, he was intensely thinking about the, these four years and that he saw Thursday as the, quote, first day of another peaceful protest that will last over the next month. And hey, here's a bicycle enthusiast named Rom. Former Chicago mayor Rahm Emanuel was spotted voting at the polls Thursday, and he was kind enough to impart some wisdom on all of us. Here's Rom's message to Chicago. Rahm Emanuel said, quote, this is step one in citizenship. Exercise it. And if you're worried about the country or you're concerned or want to make sure your views are heard, this is the way to do it. This is not the only way, but it's an essential way. Ben, how much have you missed that? Rom addressing the people of Chicago? (laughs) Just just you reading those quotes, how insincere that man is. It's just like, I'm going to break Romano. Go, you just hate Rom. No, come on. And Romano's going to say, you just hate Rom. <laughs> He's so insincere, Romano. Oh, my God. He doesn't care about 
He doesn't care. When he was mayor, do you think he wanted a huge voter turnout? Here's my problem with the Democrats, my beloved Democratic Party. I've been loyally voting for these Democrats year after year. Probably should have my head examined. And they're like, on the local level, they do everything they can to discourage voter turnout. They do whatever they can to discourage people from running. They're challenging. We have a whole system to challenge candidates, to make them think that they can't possibly win. So why even bother? You can't beat the man. Got to go along with the man. That's such a Chicago attitude. You know, so now, and then every four years, they want people to come out to vote for the Democrat. And they go, it's an important ritual here. It's part of what makes democracy, democracy. We must vote. God, it's dripping with insincerity. You know, you didn't want people to vote 2015 when you're running for re-election. And if people actually voted in 2015, you would have lost. You want to feed a sense of hopelessness and you can't win. And this is exactly what Donald Trump is trying to do to Democrats. It gets in their heads. They're like, they don't know if they trust vote by mail. They don't know what to believe. They see these open attempts like these dudes in Michigan, the robocalls to black voters say, you get in trouble if you vote by mail. (laughs) So, you know, Rom, Rom giving advice, Rom lecturing on democracy. Ah, yes, Rom. That would be the same Rom who buried the Laquan McDonald tape. Would it be D? Wouldn't that be the same Rom Emanuel till after the election? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's the same guy. Make sure uh, no one sees us before the election. Can we tie this one up? Hey, shout out to uh, Kyle on the live stream chat. Uh, Kyle goes, wait, is that the first time Ram has spoken to anyone making less than 250K a year? <laughs> and actually, Kyle, no, it's not. Uh, he talked to me one time. Uh, he was on the Franz Spielman show and he was like, yeah, give me some water. <laughs> Forget. Can we, can we, can I, can I tell that little story? Can I tell that yeah, little story? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So uh, for a while, uh, when we were back in the studio, Dennis was the producer of the Franz Spielman show. So we, 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 they did that show in our, our beloved little bubble. Ram walks in. Hey, kid, give me some water. That's the, you know, and it, you call this water? I want real water. No, he didn't say that. But anyway, when the when the show was over, Ram turns to Dennis and goes, hey, kid, beat it. I got to talk to Fran. He kicked him Oh, yeah, nose. yeah, yeah. That happened. I'm like trying to prepare for the show. Hey, get, hey, get out of here. I got to talk get to Fran. Get out kid. Hey, kid, beat it, huh? <laughs> so Ram does talk to people who make less than 250000 but he usually is to only to order it around. Uh, g- give me an ice cream cone. And, you know, you know, put those sprinkles on top, all right, kid? I'll move it. Beat it. I'm Ram Emanuel. Emanuel. <laughs> Just uh, Ram Emanuel giving advice. Democracy is so important. I really believe in democracy. I, mean, I read a book about it once. Democracy. Sorry, D. Go ahead. Emmanuel said he voted in person because he had a window in his busy travel schedule to do so. Oh, I just biked around Lake Michigan. <laughs> He's always bragging. I am so busy. I have places to go. The, pa- the pandemic doesn't inconvenience me at all. I'm jetting here. I'm jetting there. I'm very important. And yet every now and then I fly home to be with the little people of Chicago. <laughs> And unlike Thanks, and unlike the former mayor, his wife, Amy, and their kids are voting by mail. Nearly a thousand miles. Hey, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson also voted Thursday. Jackson said that the stakes are very high. Both Rom and the Reverend 
voted for Joey B. Joe is a shocker. <laughs> what a shocker. All right, Ben, let's pepper in some more of that national news. Pepper, Hello. let's hear it. Hello. That was that was actually really good. That was that was damn good there. That sounded yeah. like pepper. I really think this sound effects career is taking off, D. I get a lot of offers. People, you know, Joe Rogan called the other day, D, and goes, oh, Ben, can you uh, come on my show and do uh, the cat out of the bag? I go, Joe, I'm really busy these days. Out of time for the Joe Rogan show. I'm so jealous. Joe, by the way, if you're listening, I'll come on anytime. All right, update out of Washington here. The White House released a statement saying Vice President Mike Pence is not required to quarantine despite Trump's positive coronavirus test result. Uh, here's a doctor, Jesse, Dr. Jesse Chenow, uh, saying, quote, earlier this morning under my care, Vice President Mike Pence tested negative for COVID-19. Uh, he says Vice President Mike Pence remains in good health and is free to go about his normal activities. All right, I'm about to say something that's going to get me a lot of trouble. Okay. But I'm going to say it anyway. Hold on, D. Before I do, I'm going to take a drink of water. You know, I don't believe those White House doctors. I'm just saying. Okay. You were calling them. me. You were calling me crazy in the beginning of the show. Well, you know, you put that theory in my head, and I was protecting your identity because you know, like. Could you imagine if WBEZ found out that you had theories like that? They'd be like, this is really disconcerting. Oh, you mean if WBEZ just listened to today's show? Because you kind of put me in that corner, pal. WBEZ would be like, you know, we're very serious around here. What happened here? All of a sudden, the screen went dead. Oh, no, we're Uh, good. We're good. We're good. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the documents. Donald Trump's faking this whole thing. <laughs> Damn you, China. <laughs> oh, man. This is almost, this may be enough to get me to listen to Alex Jones, see what his theory is about this. Uh, where he's taking this, because Lord knows where he could go with this. Uh, if it were the other way around and it was a Democrat, you know Alex Jones would be doubting. You know it, D. So um, I don't trust those White House doctors. And part of this is because the last White House doctor, I think his name is Jackson, he's not running for Congress. He was the one, we talked about this a lot. Uh, He was the one who said that he did a physical of Donald Trump and Donald Trump weighed, I think it was 225 or 230 pounds, something like that. And I'm like, uh, no, 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 no. I could just take a look at that man and see he does not weigh 230 pounds. So ever since then, day, I just like, you well, know, I just don't trust these White House doctors at all. So I'm a little skeptical, you know, of anything they have to say. Uh, but um, I'm happy to hear Mike Pence is fine. He's going on the campaign trail. I presume that the vice presidential debate is still on for next week, correct, D? Uh, as of right now, it says it's uh, still scheduled. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to that yeah. debate. Yeah, still uh, waiting so. for uh, Kamala Harris to go, hell no, stay away from me, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, no, she tested negative too, by the way. So uh, very happy to hear about that. Big fan of Kamala Harris these days. Yeah, I can't remember where I was at the end of the campaign. I know I'm all over the map on uh, Kamala. <laughs> but uh, these days I'm liking her. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that debate. Yeah, Kamala Harris. Uh, perhaps uh, we can do Zoom. 
<laughs> is that your Kamala Harris invitation? It's not that good. I don't know. Perhaps we could do yeah. Zoom. Not feeling that. Uh, oh, okay. That, uh, well, I mean, it's no pepper. Um, <laughs> Here's another update real quick here. Uh, <laughs> plot twist. Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett apparently had COVID in the summer. Really? Yeah, How a, did I miss that? Uh, I'm not surprised. That I <laughs> you missed it. Wait a minute. This show is supposed to all be promoting my unbelievable knowledge of politics. How did I miss that? Let me write that down. I'm going to write a, like a letter to someone chastising them for me missing that you know what i'm saying um, um so those are uh, that was a little pepper in there ben one more time can we hear pepper it's getting but better it's getting the, better every time the turning of the pepper mill that's the part you don't see d i'm actually turning it much like gary owen oh, in that shucks. Very video shucks <laughs> All right. And since we're talking about Election Day, what the hell? It's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. I got to say the 13th congressional district mm. rematch between incumbent Republican Rodney Davis and his Democratic challenger Betsy Dirksen Londrigan has become the sleeper hit of the Illinois congressional election season. These two have been throwing so much money in political ads, bashing each other, and personally, this local political news podcast producer can't thank them enough. Now, yesterday, we played not one, but two pretty awful ads from incumbent Rodney Davis. <laughs> one yeah. accused her of being a lobbyist. The other featured a nurse. Uh, ben Jarofsky then ripped the ads apart. It was a good time. Ben, refresh everybody who may not have heard it. Well, the nurse one I, was unbelievable. They, they, they scoured the state of Illinois to find a nurse uh, that would... Say something nice about the Republican health care plan, which is really difficult to do since there is no Republican health care plan. The Republican health care plan is to get rid of Obamacare, which means to deprive people of the only insurance they have. So I would say that's like a negative health care plan. Remember Donald Trump in the debate? I got a great plan. Why anybody believes anything this guy? I got a great plan. It's in the parking lot in my car. It's in the car. What a plan. Look it's at my mask. <laughs> And Maggot's going, yeah, I love this plan, man. And then there's those, the undecided voters. Huh, well, he says he has a plan. If Donald Trump says something, it must be true, because he's never been known to lie before. They got a plan. It's a great plan. So they found some nurse. Go, the Democratic plan would close hospitals. The Republican plan would what? I don't know what the. I don't know if the Democrats are going to close hospitals with their plan. What's the Republican plan? It's going to like blow up hospitals. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. They found this nurse. God. Yeah, so that's nurse about what it sounded like name. yesterday on the show uh, when Ben was talking about these ads. But dead gum, we have one more Rodney Davis ad to play for you today. But. I'm happy to announce that we have not one but two Democratic campaign ads from Betsy Dirksen Londrigan. 
That's right. Mm, excited the, about that. Let's in, this, hear these. in this first Betsy Dirks and Londrigan ad, BDL shows the people, <laughs> she shows the people, hey, I can do what Rodney Davis does too, all right? I can hire some scary voice guy to freak everyone out with platitudes of how awful Rodney Davis is. Rodney Davis tried to hide it, voted to keep it a secret. With mom and pop shops struggling to stay open during the pandemic, and so many denied relief. Rodney Davis's family got more than $1 million in federal help just two days after money was made available. No wonder Davis voted to keep the list of loan recipients secret. If Rodney Davis won't put us first in the middle of a pandemic, will he ever? DCCC is responsible for the content that's advertising. Well, that sounded like a guy with a hat on in a dark alley or something talking to you. Yeah, that voice, at the end, it kind of went country on us. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. And the guy sounded like he smoked a pack a day. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, why can't I get voiceover gigs? Like, I could do that. I don't know. That guy was pretty good. That like that sounded like 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 I said, some guy in an alley like that you can't see, and he's got like a hat on. Hey, listen up. <laughs> Here's the scoop. You know, I hadn't heard that accusation before. Uh oh, I'm admitting uh, that I don't know absolutely everything. Now I'm gonna. I'm now. I'm curious about that. Uh, how much truth there was in that. Uh, that accusation that uh, she threw at Davis. Look, I would vote against Davis. Any Republican who uh, has been largely silent, as Rodney Davis has been, on Donald Trump, get him out. You get, it's, it's as though you got to punish the Republican Party for its complicity uh, in the Donald Trump movement. And I realize, I realize that most Republican voters have bought into Donald Trump. And they've given their soul to Donald Trump. And so it's the kiss of death for any politician or in a, any Republican incumbent in a Republican district, a district drawn specifically for Republicans. I realize it's if it's not definitely the kiss of death, uh, it's close to it to take a stand against Donald Trump. And yet I thought it was Republicans who didn't believe in lifelong service, uh, lifelong jobs. You know what I mean? I, I thought it was Republicans who were always chastising the Democrats for guys like Michael Madigan been around forever. I thought that was a Republican thing for term limits. So you know what? It's not your office that's given to you for life. If you're Rodney Davis and you in your heart know that Donald Trump is a dangerous race baiting demagogue who promotes uh, white supremacy groups and that he's uh, undermining our faith and all our democratic institutions. We all know he's doing that. Then you should take a stand. You should say, you know what? Getting reelected is not worth selling out every principle I supposedly believe in. But no, he just wants to get reelected so he can go back to Congress and be a rubber stamp for Donald Trump. So he should be thrown out of office just for that. I can't think of any Republican right now, any Republican in the entire country who has warranted reelection with the possible exception of Mitt Romney. I'm going to give Mitt Romney the benefit of the doubt. D, he voted for impeachment. Uh, and John McCain sh- showed some guts uh, in the first couple of years of Trump's administration. But other than that, I can't think of any of them. The, uh, the gentleman uh, up in Michigan, he had to leave the party. Blanking on his name, he's a libertarian. He had to leave the party. He couldn't even stay in the party anymore. I know MAGA will turn on you. They'll call you a traitor. Uh, and, um, you know, they'll, they'll try to kick you out of the party, but so what, take a stand, see where it gets you. Maybe there, maybe half the, maybe half the voters will stick with you because 
that could be the real silent majority. I don't know. I doubt it. I think MAGA uh, has taken control of the Republican Party. Uh, and uh, how far will you guys go? QAnon? Are you now going to embrace QAnon, Rodney Davis? You know, what if the Proud Boys start making endorsements? Are you going to look for their endorsement? What's the limit that the Republican Party will go as they move right to follow Donald Trump? I haven't seen anything this bad. This is worse than council wars. Council wars in the city of Chicago when the Democratic aldermen lined up behind Vidoliak and Burke and proposed Harold Washington simply because they were afraid of offending their racist constituents. That was pretty offensive. I opened my eyes. Little young innocent Benny didn't realize <laughs> what what bigots lived in the city. Oh, can we all get along? In Evanston, everybody got along. Well, got along better than this. So I was never the same after council wars, really after the 1983 uh, mayoral election. But this Republican thing with Donald Trump goes far beyond that. So, D, I don't know if what old smoky voice said is true. Uh, I smoke a pack a day. But I'd vote Rodney Davis out. Mm. Just like that. Hey, who's that guy smoking over there in the corner? Rodney Davis tried to hide it. Voted to keep it a secret. Hey, put that cigarette out, buddy. <laughs> that's the key. D, that's the key to future and voiceovers. Can have that smoky sound. Uh, like the dude in uh, The Big Lebowski. What's his name? The cowboy uh, Sam Oh, Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah. Arr, he's got the greatest voice. So it sounds like he smokes a pack a day, too. Go ahead. Probably does. So the gloves came off in that Dirksen Londrigan ad. All right. Now the gloves are coming back on in the second ad as we get to know more about Betsy Dirksen Londrigan's story. I'm Betsy Dirksen Londrigan, and I approve this message. I feel so blessed to be a lung cancer survivor for six years now. Without the Affordable Care Act, I wouldn't have had health care. Rodney Davis doesn't agree. He voted 11 times to repeal the Affordable Care Act, which would strip protections from people like me with pre-existing conditions. After staring death in the face, not much scares me. But Rodney Davis in Congress does. Give it an A. I love that commercial. Put it in his face. Yeah, He dragged that nurse out. Mm-hmm. Let's get the nurse to rebut that. I mean, they're trying to get rid of health care. We should be going further. We should be embracing Bernie's plan. You know, that's the part of the debate with Joey B the other day that kind of irritated me. You know, he's doing this, I'm a moderate, I'm not with the Bernie wing, you know. And I'm like, we need health care in this country. I know so many people don't have health care, don't have health insurance. And we need it. God, we waste so much money uh, on insurance. It's just frightening. So many companies, they up their uh, premium. The premiums go up. They have to take take the money out of the salaries of their employees. It's it's just an insane way to handle uh, our business. And yet, Donald Trump ranting and railing about socialist medicine, and Joe Biden, uh, I'm not for that. Moving same old story. So I'm with her, uh, Betsy. Put it in his face. Yeah, and it seems like we waste a lot of money on political campaign ads. Ads like the latest from Rodney Davis. Yes, we have a Rodney Davis ad to play, the incumbent Republican in the 13th Congressional District. Ben, just take a guess as to what uh, this Rodney Davis ad involves. 
Well, if I had a guess, he's a Republican downstate. Uh, I would say it has to, he has to deal with a certain Michael Joseph Madigan. If Betsy I had a Londrigan guess. is lying to you. I have not taken any money from Speaker Madigan. The truth is, Madigan spent nearly $300,000 to elect Londrigan. Londrigan also takes money from corporate lobbyists, even Big Pharma, breaking her promise not to accept corporate dollars. And those negative ads against Rodney Davis, paid for by corporate cash. A Madigan machine politician, Betsy Londrigan is lying to get elected. I'm Rodney Davis, and I approve this message. <laughs> That's correct. You were right. <laughs> How'd you know that? That's it. I'm flip-flopping again, Dave. I'm flip-flopping again. Oh, you know? no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to hold off and make this announcement at the end of the show. But just the hypocrisy of the Republicans still dragging Madigan out. To use him against, oh my God. Roddy Davis, why don't you take a stand against Donald Trump, huh? Everything that Michael Joseph Madigan has done, Trump has done worse. You know that, I know that, we both know that. I know that, you know that, et cetera, and so forth. But now you're going to just keep playing that Madigan record. Now, that's why I said the first flip-flop, D, the first, my first position is, you know, Michael, leave the, the scene. You've been there too long. Leave the stage. It's your... Uh, you're hurting the party. Remember that, D? Remember when I was saying that? Mm-hmm. That was the good old days. I think I was saying that yesterday, actually. Uh, oh, Michael, Mike, Mark Brown's column. Yeah, that was a powerful column. But um, I just, the utter hypocrisy of the Republicans using Michael Madigan as a tool when they look the other way at Trump. I can't deal with it, D. I can't deal with it. It's just like something connects and snaps. You know, I mean, I, I think we have to leave the era of Trump before we can have any kind of legitimate political discourse in this country, because he has so tainted the Republican Party that you can't believe the Republican Party is a little like the doctors in the White House. You can't believe anything they say. Doctor said, what do you eat, 225 pounds, D? Come on, man. To quote Joe Biden, come on, man. So uh, what do I think of that ad? It's laughable that a Republican who supports Donald Trump would expect you to be horrified by Michael Joseph Madigan. Say what you will about Michael Joseph Madigan. He's never been accused of rape. Donald Trump is right now accused of rape. All right. So I know the bar is low. Have we flopped? Uh, yes. All right. Let's hear the I noise. Remember, I, I had to remember, and it's really hard for me. I flipped and flopped so much on this issue. I can't remember. Could you imagine if I actually ran for office? Um, no. <laughs> He's flipped and flopped so many times. Yeah, folks, a little indecisive on this issue, okay? Oh, you guys know everything you're going to do all the time? Ronnie Davis has never flipped and flopped on anything. One thing he hasn't flipped and flopped on is Donnie Trump. I love Donnie Trump. He should do an ad like that, D. Be honest. Are you getting, you're not giving the people what they want here. Can we hear the flip-flop noise? Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> sorry, D. Hold on. Drink water. Oh, there we go. Make them wait. Make them wait. <laughs> and that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. And that is our local news for the day. Uh, Kyle on the live stream chat says, boy, Ben Jarofsky's sound effects sure are spicy today. 
Yeah, I know. I must have. Must have got a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> Apparently, you're on top of it today. Uh, remember, you can find us on social media at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Uh, our friend Dragonslayer19 sent us an email. Uh, I sent that to Ben. We're going to be uh, looking at all these emails over the weekend. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. We have a phone number, 708 658 4788. That number again 708-658-4788 leave the ben Jarofsky show a voicemail don't be surprised if we don't answer all right uh we're gonna go ahead and uh wrap it up here ben anything you'd like to say before we take our break uh no except i'd like to give a little shout out uh sports related to my beloved chicago white Sox. steve we haven't talked about them but uh, they lost yesterday oh shucks uh <laughs> no nobody follows the white Sox except for me uh and so their season ended they lost to the oakland a's they blew a lead it was a disappointing end a season that had so much promise and yet there were some moments uh during uh august when things were really sour and down uh and uh it was you know i'm locked into my home because of the pandemic that the white Sox gave me uh, a little joy so tipping my hat to my beloved chicago white Sox. it didn't end well but yeah at least it gave me something to look forward to when they won they went on a winning streak they were hitting a lot of homers i love timmy anderson so Better luck, better luck next year, Chicago White Sox. And we still have Madigan Gate to talk about as well. We're going to do that after our interview with Romano. Right now, it's the man, Mike Girardi. You're listening to the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in Ben's attic.
Rodney Davis tried to hide it, voted to keep it a secret. number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Every Friday, Romana Hussein joins us, Chicago Sun-Times columnist editor. Uh, and Romana, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you guys? Doing very well today uh, and uh, safe and sound in our little huts. Uh, I'm in my attic. Dennis is in his apartment. You're in uh, your home in Chicago. And Donald Trump apparently has COVID-19. I say apparently because I am so brainwashed by Donald Trump. Uh, I admit I admit He's messed with my mind so many times on so many levels by lying constantly that I'm not quite sure how to deal with this, Ramana. I'm looking to you for guidance and counsel uh, on this one. Uh, Should I believe the White House when they say he has COVID? Um, Could this be something diabolical uh, that he has devised? You know, just because Donald Trump says something, I tend to doubt it can you help and can you blame me for saying that Romana I mean he's been known to lie from time to time well the interesting thing is I've been seeing a lot of tweets that um, kind of capture your sentiment where a lot of people are skeptical about whether he has it and that he's trying you know you know Boris Johnson a lot of British um, reporters or people who are from England on Twitter are pointing out that Boris Johnson you know for a little while his uh, popularity spiked um, after he was diagnosed with COVID nationalism sort of kind of got um, a little more um, exaggerated. But I, I just saw a tweet right before the show that kind of captures the way you feel. And um, this it was a reporter who said that the fact that so many people are wondering if Donald Trump actually does have COVID shows you the distrust that they have of anything that comes out of his mouth. So there are tweets that are capturing what you're saying. And I have been seeing a lot of and a lot of people that I know are also pointing out that after um, the disastrous uh, debate on Tuesday and his performance, they wonder if this is also some sort of performance. So I have I have seen that and I've heard that. So you're not alone in that feeling. I, I know I'm not alone. And I know I'm, I may be one of the few people willing to openly say it, uh, you know. Yeah, um, I think so too. But I know I'm, I'm not alone. Uh, yeah, you know, that'd be the only one to openly say it. Uh, ben will say anything. Get him to say it. Uh, <laughs> but help us out here. Talk a little bit about, like, like your reaction uh, when you heard it. Where were you and, and, and how did it hit you when you uh, confronted it? Well, I have to say, so I was actually out with a colleague last night. Um, I hadn't been to the West Loop since March. Um, so we actually ate near the Sun-Times yesterday. And I saw my, you know, my phone, an alert, and I saw something about Hope Hicks, but I didn't really pay attention to it. I usually do look at my phone when I'm out with people, but at some point we we're just talking and engrossed in conversation. I saw something about Hope Hicks. And then I had to go to the bathroom before he left, and she was going to give me a ride to the, the my car. And then I then I looked at my alert and it said that Donald Trump and Melania are going to get tested after Hope Hicks tested positive. And then, I, you know, I saw it and I was just like, no big surprise there. And then, you know, came home. We had we um, just got a new kitten 
because we had to pull, sadly, we had to pull one of our cats down um, about two weeks ago. So we had a new kitten and our existing cat was very upset. So um, my husband, Mick, and I have been dealing with that. So there was a lot of drama. So I didn't really <laughs> get a chance to talk to Mick. But as soon as we got into bed and everything kind of calmed down, I I got a text from my friend and it said Trump has COVID. And then my sister-in-law texted this is like around midnight i want to say or maybe a few minutes before midnight and then she said trump has covid exclamation point and then i I jumped onto twitter right afterwards i didn't see any sort of alert i didn't see any sort of chatter and then i i asked my sister-in-law how do you find out and she goes he literally just tweeted it like four minutes ago and then i soon as i saw it i was like oh my god and i i told mick and i saw the tweet and i sent the tweet to um our copy editors because this is like around midnight or evening editor had left so i was you know all <laughs> like i was like oh my god and you know so it was definitely um newsworthy but i don't i also think not surprising so donald trump has it as, as well as melania and my younger sister pointed out that maybe there's a silver lining in this and it shows you that melania and donald are actually being the same bed that's what she was saying so um i don't know i think a lot of people were reacting you know wow and I know you said that you stayed up till 3 a.m. maybe trying to process it or talking with other people, but it was definitely the talker. And, you know, my friend, I'm not a, I'm not a morning person. I'm probably like you. I, I, I actually, midnight is very early for me. And ever since I got married, um, Mick, who's a morning person, I do go to sleep by midnight, which is early for me. So I was out by 12, 1230. So, you know, I texted a few of my friends who were up, but some of my friends were on our threads are early Sleep, uh, they go to bed early and so they all when i woke up i had like 68 text messages you know from people going oh my god whoa and then you know everybody's putting in their you know 10 cents and i i have to admit that there are some of my friends who said that they hope he um gets very ill with the coronavirus so um it it, it, it was a range of emotions i think well i um to that last point for, uh, friends who are uh uh, just jubilant. And, yeah. uh, I, I will not, I'm just not going to go there just for a yeah. lot of reasons, but I know, oh my goodness. So many people who were openly jubilant on Facebook, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, with texts flying back and forth. Uh, and this is where we are right now, obviously as a country, um, and Joe Biden puts out his message that uh, I'm praying for uh, Donald Trump. And immediately all my lefty friends are like, they don't believe Joe Biden for one minute is uh, praying for Donald Trump. I don't know. Maybe he is. Um, I know. It's like, so my one, the friend who sent me the first um, alert about Trump, uh, well, the first one to tell me about Trump, he goes, just because you're a journalist, don't fall into that you know, oh, well wishes. I'm like, I'm, I go, I don't think any of my friends are sending him well wishes. I'm not, I'm not going to send him well wishes. You know, I don't do that usually with any politician, but um, yeah, there was, there were some people like saying like, oh, he doesn't deserve any sympathy. That's definitely going around. And um, so I don't know. It's, 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 I think people, I don't know if you saw where it's, you know what, there was an event where they're thinking that's where it spread, right? Where the um, new Supreme Court justice nominee, they had a, um, an event for her on the White House lawn, I would yes. say, or just uh-huh. at the White House. So they, you know, I don't know if you saw what, but um, everybody's kind of hugging and shaking hands. Um, there's nobody wearing masks. And not to say that I haven't been outside and haven't worn masks, 
friends and gatherings, but I'm not really hugging my friends or shaking hands, and we do try to maintain a distance. So that was something that people are, a lot of people are sharing on Twitter. That's what I've been seeing um, the last few minutes, too. Well, okay, there's a couple issues. One uh, is his utter disregard uh, for protocol in terms of the virus. Let's put that aside and deal with the first issue of how people are responding. We are supposed to, as members of the press, and even I, I'm a member of the alternative press, so we're supposed to play by certain standards, and yeah. one set of standard is that when you hear someone is sick, you're supposed to say condolences and I hope you get better. And um, prayers. I, I, yeah, prayers. That's just what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And Donald Trump has never played by the standards. He's never played by the rules. We're going to talk about this in the debate. He immediately broke all the rules of the debate. We just saw this Tuesday. You know, he's like rules don't apply to Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has never played by the rules. He insults people. He makes fun of people. When they're down, he kicks them. And he stirs up hatred against whole groups of people. We've talked about this many times in the show. His assault on people, Muslims, uh, Mexicans coming across the border. Uh, so this is a man who's never displayed any like sense of protocol when Ruth Bader yeah, Ginsburg I mean, died, he had named and he, he was, he made it clear for like within an hour. Oh yeah. An opportunity. I'm going to take it. So it's hard. You follow what I'm saying, Romana? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, there are a lot of, he doesn't denounce things that most people would think that a president would denounce. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people are saying like, you know, he's a human being. Nobody wish, should wish ill on anyone, but I think I'm not saying me personally, but I think the sentiment from a lot of people who have problems with him is like he doesn't care about anyone else. And of all the people to get sick, he, you know, people, they feel like he's the least person they care about or have less least amount of concern if he gets sick. Yeah. So I understand why somebody would have. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised, uh, but I still, all these years in the business, I, I I follow the protocol, so I'm gonna follow it. Even it's it, you know I feel like I, I could hear that uh, Michelle Obama quote: "When they go low, we go high." And I I really struggle with that one. I didn't like it in 2016 when she said it because yeah. I wanted the Democrats to fight harder. Uh, but in a moment like this, even You're with all the high. doubts, that's good. I'm really trying to go high. Really trying to go high. Doing what the best if, I can. What if uh, Rom got COVID? Okay, you know I was making fun of you before the last segment. Before you came on, I was like, "She's <laughs> going to give me such grief because she always says I hate Rom." Uh, if if Rom, I know, I know you. I, I know you'd send thoughts and prayers for him. I, I would. I would. Well, I think I would, more people yeah. would. I think uh, you would Yeah, I don't have. I I don't have the like the. Antipathy toward Rom that I have for I Trump. I, I think know. Trump is a more evil person than Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel is just such a blatantly insincere person. And we were talking about this. His quotes in the Sun Times today. Uh, he, he was he voted early. Yeah, and, I saw uh, pictures of him. 
yeah, the bright one got some reporter got a hold of him and he, he started giving these calls. And I was, I wish I, I would have called Mick Dumkey, your husband, because we always, we share these things. Rom saying, oh, democracy is really what counts. It's like, I don't believe a word you're saying, Rom. I don't, I don't believe you care about democracy, you know? So that's kind of my attitude about Rom. Uh, but uh, I, I, it's a, t- a different attitude toward Donald Trump uh, completely entirely. I know, so I know I was teasing you. I don't yeah. want Rom. I don't want Rom to get COVID either. I hope people know that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want, want most people to get COVID. I have to say 99.9%. I don't want people to get COVID. No. And I, I want COVID to disappear really fast. So let's get that one. Uh, so that said, what Trump did before the announcement was so offensive. Uh, and we had, I had a conversation with your good friend and regular on the show, Samina Mustafa, which is dropping this weekend. Donald Trump's speech in Minnesota was one of the most offensive things I had heard in a long time. Just blatant appeal. This is coming right after the debate where he would not, um, he would not criticize white supremacy, would not take a stand again. He gave a shout out to the Proud Boys, which he's now, it's so weaselly. He yeah. won't even back down on, he, he, you know, his weaselly way of addressing that, like pretending he never heard of the Proud Boys, doesn't know who they are, what a joke that is. Yeah. Um, he knows all about Antifa, but yeah. he doesn't know anything about the Proud Boys. Okay. No one believes that. Um, but it coming out of, um, of the uh, debate on Tuesday and going to the rally, it seemed like he was uh, doubling down on trying to stir people. Uh, just like this uh, anti-Muslim sentiment and try to whip people up and uh, fear over uh, refugees coming to our country, pouring into our country. Uh, is that how you took that as well? I didn't even, I actually didn't even pay attention to that because I was still kind of reeling from the debate. Um, but no, I mean, I, whenever he says stuff like that, that is riling up fear. That's all you have to say is, um, you know, Muslims and, you know, people react a certain way. And he's just kind of feeding into those fears that a lot of people have. He says Muslims, Mexicans, you know, Muslims are terrorists. That's like code for terrorists. And Mexicans is code for taking, you know, working class white people's jobs. Right. So I just think it's like, I don't know. I think at this point, I think it's really interesting that anybody is undecided. I would think everybody knows what they're going to do. But I think that anybody who's on the fence has got to be someone that leans a little right. And they're just, you know, so he's kind of feeding into that. Okay, let's just keep feeding into that fear. So whoever is has doubts about whether it's me or Biden, let me just keep feeding into that because there definitely is that base who that is their major concern. Yeah, and that's uh, pretty ugly stuff. All right, let's uh, before we uh, leave Trump, I got to ask you about the Melania tape. This is I uh, talked at the uh, the start of the show about how the announcement that uh, Trump had COVID just overwhelmed the news cycle, and there were some uh, some stories that were breaking that were very uh, critical for uh, about Trump and the Republicans and the efforts they're using to intimidate voters and undermine people's belief uh, in vote by mail. But one of the, uh, the stories that broke was the Melania tape story, and that has completely been eclipsed by the news uh, that Donald Trump and Melania have COVID, uh, according to the White House anyway. Uh, so uh, I sent you uh, the story on it and may give you a homework assignment to listen to. I, this is up your alley anyway. Uh, the Melania tape story, why don't you give folks a little background on what went down and then your thoughts on it. <laughs> so basically, you know, I read the story. I didn't listen to the tape, I have to admit. So I did part of the homework. So I get a C maybe. <laughs> um, but anyway, I read the New York Times article. So 
in a nutshell, Melania had a former, um, a former, she wasn't an advisor, right? She was an assistant who, um, I guess deflected and left the white house and she has written a tell all book, but anyway, she has some quotes in, um, there's some telling quotes in, in the book about Melania kind of going berserk over um, Christmas decorations at the White House. And more importantly, um, when she was wearing um, that Zara jacket, I'm sure you didn't know that jacket was from Zara or even know what Zara is. <laughs> <laughs> when she wore that, uh, I think it was a Zara jacket. It was a, it was a jacket um, mm-hmm. to, to go visit um, refugee or Mexican children, I believe it was, at the border. And mm-hmm. the jacket said something uh, in essence, I don't care, do you? I don't really yeah. care, do you? Something like that. And then so she, so the assistant, I believe, you know, the former assistant recorded her in these conversations where she's just so, um, she seems very sensitive to the way that she's described. And she's like, I just wore that jacket to get the liberals all riled up and it really worked. That was my, you know, that was her purpose. And then she, you know, she was just, she was just kind of focused on, um, according to the tapes, focused on how she was being perceived by the media. And she said the Obamas never would have been treated that way. And then she talks about, you know, Donald Trump and how she, everyone thinks that she's complicit in the way he behaves, which was, I think was kind of interesting. She didn't say anything like, I don't really think like him, but she was like, why they would never do this to the Obamas. And then she just seems, she seemed very flustered and just very frustrated with the way she was being portrayed in the media and was, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, like when I saw that jacket, I wasn't sure what she meant by that or you know, and so a lot of people were offended by it. And I'm like, maybe she just wore the jacket because she liked it. But clearly she wore it to send out a message. So a lot of people thought it was very offensive. The fact that she was going to go visit these um, children on the border and she was wearing this jacket, meaning, you know, being very flip about a very serious situation. And, you know, and, and I think the tapes also discussed or talked a little bit about um how her reaction to the children that were in cages. I'm forgetting what exactly was said. But, you know, her, you know, the White House is obviously saying that this former assistant is just trying to make money off of, um, you know, the book. But I think it's I think it's very telling. I think I think initially a lot of people who are anti-Trump felt like Melania was a victim. But as time went on, they felt like she was just she was just as bad as Donald Trump or just, you know, part of the part of the plan or, you know, on with the pro on with the um, program, I guess you would say. Well, I'll put it this way. I take a look at Melania Trump, and I take a look at Donald Trump, uh, and I can't believe that she really loves him. I'm just speaking my mind here, okay? I, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're public I, figures. I'm allowed to talk about them. I don't think she. I don't think you could possibly look at Melania Trump and Donald Trump and say she sincerely loves him. I just have always assumed that she saw him as a fast way uh, to making money, uh, to having a secure lifetime uh, lifestyle, to getting citizenship. It's all worked out well for her. Yeah. Uh, she has to put up with him. He was sleeping with. Uh, Stormy Daniels, what, three weeks after their son was born? So uh, how, what, I mean, let, come on, Ron, let's be real. I mean, what no, kind no, of marriage no. is this? You know? I know, I don't think it, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like a relationship um, that's based on love. I, I have to admit that. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking most women would look at Donald Trump and just see him as a meal ticket. That's just my opinion, because I don't know. I don't know what other appeal he seems to have. 
That's, I'm just saying that from a woman, not as a reporter. <laughs> I, you're saying, and I'm saying it uh, as just an observer of life. Yeah, uh, and exactly. so, and there's definitely women. You know, I'm not. You know, I, there are women and men who look for partners who make a lot of money, and they end up with them, and they're basically their trophy wife or trophy husband, and the the husband or the rich wife or the sugar mama or the sugar daddy, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah I, so I think it's a sugar daddy situation. It's, it's a transactional thing, and yeah. uh, so that's that's fine. They made their deal; they're adults. Uh, I I pretty much leave Melania alone. I have a, a position; just leave the family out and just concentrate uh, on the person who's in power. It's a little harder to do, like with the Clintons, because it's hard to leave Bill Clinton. And we talked about this: how I turned on Clinton. I'm very critical of Bill Clinton, so it's hard for me not to. Uh, judge hillary clinton by bill clinton because she stayed with him for so long and yeah i i don't know maybe it's a little different i don't know with melania she said stuff about you know she she spewed stuff about barack obama and you know her and you know her birther theories as well on tv so i don't know i don't think she's exempt from criticism i think children i don't know if trump's adult children who are you know in his like you know, in positions of power, they deserve to be criticized. Barron, on the other hand, I think is somebody that off you shouldn't really attack. Yeah, off absolutely. Limits. I don't. I don't think Melania is off limits, though. No, but I kind of. This is weird coming from me, but I kind of like. Part of me felt sorry for her for yeah, a while because she was had to deal with this guy. I think a lot of people did. Like, you know, they're like, okay, fine, she made this deal with this guy, but she didn't deserve this. You know what I mean? Or maybe she didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, or maybe she didn't know that he was this bad. You know, I yeah, I have I have a hard time feeling he uh, hard time believing that they have a normal relationship. I mean, we always see these videos of her. I mean, there's been more than one video of her swatting his hand away, right? So, the fact that she's always doing that, it's it's just very telling. It's like she can't even like fake the affection it's that bad yeah yeah but then after i saw this tape or listened to this tape when she was saying why she wore the i don't really care jack and i'm like you know maybe you've been hanging around donald too long and he's starting to poison your your brain and uh uh but no i i'll tell you one thing i agree with the white house Melania got set up by that former aide. The former aide did it to sell the book. No doubt about it. I'm with you 100% White House on that. That said, she exposed her her real beliefs in that yeah. uh, tape, whether she was set up or not. Um, Do you think Melania thinks Donald Trump is smart? That's my that's my question to you. No. Because <laughs> I'm just I, like I'm just thinking. I mean, Mick and I disagree on a lot of things, but I'm like, you know, I'll give it to him that he's smart, right? <laughs> so, like, I just, like, wonder, does she think that he's actually smart? And does she, like, believe everything that he says? I, I, I just have to wonder sometimes. Okay, now you're really, that's a, I mean, I gotta, uh, what do you mean by smart? Look. Like, does she think that his ideas and what he says are actually interesting, like, thoughts? Like, does she find him, like, I don't know. I'm just wondering if she finds him, um intelligent like I, I, I think yeah. that the things that come out of his mouth are actually intelligent i'm just wondering i i, I don't know that's a good point i mean donald trump in my opinion is a very cunning person uh he's uh, shamelessly willful and um he he senses another person's weakness and he ex 
goes right at it. We saw this in the debate. Uh, he has no restraint, uh, no sense of propriety, does not care about other people's feelings whatsoever. Um, and uh, so I don't know if I've said anything that was virtuous among all his attributes, but these can will get you far. Donald Trump has come to Chicago. Romana, think about this. Snatched the land that once housed our beloved Chicago Sun-Times, built this enormous tower on it, got the people of the leaders of the city of Chicago to green light it and putting his name on the tower. And now he openly just takes advantage of our violence and our pain for his political purposes. So on one hand, that shows a tremendous willfulness and brazen shamelessness, et cetera. But I don't think there's anything intelligent about it. Do you follow what I'm saying? No, I'm just I trying to distinguish. I, I definitely do. So I don't know. Maybe uh, Melania is impressed by that. Uh, yeah. I, I just have always thought it was a, tra- a simply transactional deal. He got a, a a beautiful woman to stand on his arm, and she got a sugar daddy. It's, come on, I think even MAGA hat people must believe that. You know? I don't know. I think some of them. I think some of them just like, wow, he was able to like get this woman to be his wife, and they. I don't know. I think some of them believe that she was actually charmed by him. I think that. I so don't think that, but I think. Some what's of your sense? Think- What's your sense of how women are going to vote in this election? I can only tell you how Indian women and Indian women who are Muslim are going to vote. I can tell you that. Um, uh, I think most, I don't know, women, I can't speak for white women. I can't speak for white Christian women, I guess, um, or white women who are not, who are like living in smaller states. I don't know. I can't speak to that. I think women, I think a lot of women that I know don't like Donald Trump. But we saw that in 2016, wasn't it like 50 something percent of white college educated white women voted for Trump? So he does have uh, some sort of female following. Um, That doesn't mean that, like, you know, most women that I know or, you know, are going to vote for Trump. But he does have a following. Like I, I like I've said to you before, I don't I'm living in the city of Chicago. I don't you know, when I step outside of Chicago, it's a different world. Yeah, I um, I think it was 53% of white women. I don't know if there was the college educated. I had to go back and look at it. That yeah, allegedly there was, there was, a, college edu- there was a college educated white women stat, and it was about 50%. 50, which is astounding to me. So my guess is that he's gonna, it's going to fall at the margins, uh, and, but that he's going to have a lot of support. That, and, that, and that does upset me, I have to tell you, Romana. Um, yeah. You know, that's where we are in America right now. All right. Before we uh, leave politics completely, I got to ask you, are you going to vote by mail or are you going to vote in person? Um, I think I'm going to vote in person. Um, A lot of people that I know um, are worried that they won't be able to vote in person. I think something's going to happen. They're going to vote by mail. But then there's also the sense of what Donald Trump has been doing with the U.S. Postal Service. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are worried about that. Um, I usually have always voted in person and I always vote on Election Day. Um, But I think this year um, Mick was suggesting that we go um, and vote a little early this year just in case something happens on Election Day. So I'm going to go in person and uh, vote a few weeks early. And I did that um, in the March elections. And that was pretty, I mean, it was right when the pandemic, you know, started, you know, it was like maybe like two days before my office told us that we're all going to be in the um, 
be inside, but we literally went and it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, turnout. The sad thing is voter turnout is usually so low. It wasn't packed in our uh, precinct. We went on election day and, you know, we, I don't even know if we had masks on. I'm trying to think because it was so early. Oh, in the game. I think I. It was so yeah. early in the game because Mick and I didn't have masks initially because, <laughs> you know, people were talking about, oh, leave the masks for all the medical professionals and Mick and I didn't have any masks. And then we ended up making the first ones we made were with, our, <laughs> with with old cotton T-shirts. So I don't remember going in with a cotton T-shirt on my mouth. So but we were wiping our hands a lot and we went be- we washed our hands before we went out. Mick actually went out and hung out with an alderman that day. Well, that's a frightening thought on many on levels. Uh, yeah, out and then you know, then, then it got, then you know, we were told to like, you know, hunker down. I think yeah. like a day or two later. So, well, I'm uh, I'm voting in person, uh, and I've always I just view it as similar going to the jewel, and I'm going to be wearing a mask. I can't remember. I I was talking about my, with my wife today. Were we wearing masks? And I think I was, but that could be my imagination. I, mean, I can't remember. It's just March. One thing I've mentioned this already. I've um, watched Steve James' movie. He was kind enough to send it to me. Uh, a city so real, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh, are you, and, aren't you? Aren't you in making it at the hideout? Uh, well, we're in the. Um, that didn't make it to uh, the movie. You got cut. Are you so, sure? Uh, <laughs> Are you sure? Because I got a I got a text from a friend last week who was um, part of some um, you know, rate you know anti racism initiative or you know I don't know it was some sort of initiative. There was a good cause, and she's told me she watched the movie and saw him making it. Oh, maybe, maybe that I just can't remember. I thought I thought it got cut. Uh, just so you know, I saw it just last night. I watched the epilogue. So there's a four part series, a four part. Uh, the main part of the movie is about the 2019 election. It's an excellent movie. I'm, I can't say enough about it. We're going to spending a lot of time uh, future shows talking about it. Ramana. We're having various guests on who are oh, in the movie and Steve cool. James will come on. But um, anyway, this is the epilogue to the movie. And so it deals with the. Um, the events of the summer. It deals with the events roughly from the time of the pandemic hit to uh, the end of August, and it has all the unrest. It's really troubling watching it again to realize what we went through this summer oh, as yeah. a city and as a people, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, but it, the opening, it, it, it takes me, it took me back in time to March when the pandemic was first hitting and it just is a whole different mindset. We've got accustomed to it to a certain degree. All of us have, we're, we have a certain comfort zone that we, you know, we, we, we exist in terms of the pandemic. I know you're no different than anyone else. The things like you, maybe you'll venture out with friends more than you did. But in March, it was like a ghost town. And that's what the movie really conveys oh, yeah. in this, the first scenes. Oh yeah. I mean, I think March, April, I think it was up until end of May that we, you know, we went into phase three, I think early June, but yeah, March, April. I mean, my mom, like I go to my mom's house once a week to work, but I remember the beginning, she, you know, she was, I would just stand in, in, you know, to see her, I would just go stand by her garage and she'd open the garage and, you know, sometimes give me food and stuff like that. Yeah, we're all like we didn't. I didn't see a lot of people the first couple of um, months. Yeah, yeah. That movie and the movie really uh, conveys it. So when I just like back to election day, I probably was wearing a mask. I know I was afraid. I know I was like nervous. Let me get through this. Let's get I this vote in and get out. I bet you you didn't because this is like right when this started. Because we all thought we we're going to be in the office on election day, and we got an email right before that we're not. And 
I don't remember wearing a mask. I don't think we wore masks. You know, you're probably right, because now I'm thinking about it, election day was the last day that Dennis and I were in the studio. We I voted that morning and then I went to the studio. Our guests did not come in. They called in. And the next Wednesday, the day after Wednesday, I was in my attic doing the show. So um, you're you're probably right. You're probably probably was not wearing a mask. Wow. What a different era. All right. What's your recommendation, Romana? What do you got for us? Well, I'm still watching Schitt's Creek. I'm still I'm still enjoying it. It's it's a quick show and quick to binge. It's easy to binge, I think, and especially during the pandemic. So I watch a couple episodes after work, and then before I go to bed, I watch a couple before I go to sleep. So um, yeah, I'm enjoying that. And I know one of the things that we're we're talking about, um, what we may be seeing is uh, Sofia Coppola's new movie, On the Rocks, is it called, with Bill Murray yeah. and Peter Jones. So mm-hmm. that's something, and I, I know I know I was telling you right before the show about how now I have a little mixed feelings about Sofia Coppola. Um, I remember watching, um, God, what's Bill Murray's last uh, movie? Now I'm lost in translation. Lost translation. I remember liking it a lot, and I had a friend who really hated it, and he told me it was, wasn't weren't a big fan, and I thought it was really good at the time. Um, do I think it was? It wasn't never my favorite movie. I liked her Virgin Suicides better. Um, but, you know, the last couple of years, I've been reading a lot of uh, critiques of the film Lost in Translation by people who are actually Japanese and a lot of Japanese American um, people. And they just basically talk about how they thought the movie was actually very, you know, they said it was like, you know, it was like they had a lot of caricatures. And then, you know, they're like, you know, oh, you know, Japan is basically used as a prop for like these crazy white people's problems and stuff. And and then I think what the, I think what's made people um, sour to it also is because Scarlett Johansson's in it. And I mean, she's a great actress, but, you know, she's made comments in the last few years that have made, that have offended people, especially people of color and particularly Asians, because at one point she had played a character that was supposed to be an Asian-American character. And then she when she was asked about it, she pushed back and said, I should be able to play whatever I want, you know, whatever I can play. It doesn't matter if it's a tree or, uh, you know, an Asian person. So I know I know she got, like, a lot of um, flack for that. So I don't know. I do want to – I think the movie uh, has gotten pretty decent reviews so far, right? Richard Roper's given it three stars. And uh, I don't know. I think I'd give it a chance. It's on Apple TV. I do have Apple TV. So I think I would I would take, probably take a watch at that. Take a look. Yeah, at that. I'll, I'll, I'll watch that as well. I'm going to definitely watch Chicago 7. We talked about that last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is that and- on already? Uh, well, it's in movie theaters. I'm, I'm not there yet to go to a movie theater. It's killing me. I was t- uh, I'm just not ready to go back to movie theaters. So I'm waiting for it to drop on Netflix, and then I'm watching. We're probably going to dedicate a whole special show to it. Uh, I have a mini obsession with the Chicago 7 conspiracy trial, Abby Hoffman. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that movie. Whether I like it or not, I do not know. But it'll bring back a lot of memories. I think it's really um, that moment in time, 1968 to 1969, uh, and everything that went down uh, between uh, the Nixon election, the Democratic convention, the the the, the falling away part of the Democrats as they uh, were split along all kinds of sectarian lines, uh, the new left taking to the streets. Uh, and Nixon exploiting it and George Wallace exploiting uh, fears that white people had about black people, et cetera, reminds me so much of where we are right now, Romana. And so that's why, like, I, 
I feel like an exploration of that era in time will help us understand where we are right now. So that's your homework assignment, whether you want to watch it or not. Uh, You know, actually, I do know a lot about the Chicago 7. I want to say I'm a Gen X kid. When we were in high school, like learning about the 60s was like everything. That's all we, you know, that was a big deal. Like it wasn't that long ago from when I was in high school. And one of my classes, we actually did see a, um, we saw a play, some sort of reenactment on the Chicago 7 trial. So I am familiar with it. And, you know, we did watch a lot of footage of the 68, um, was it the 68 riots in Chicago? Yes. And so I, I do, I do remember some of that, you know, I, it was, it, that's why a lot of people who are my age, like the Grateful Dead, cause it was all this, when we were in high school, it was like this whole sixties, like, you know, nostalgia, you know, Grateful Dead had their like, you know, touch of gray song and everybody started wearing tie dyes. Like I like, I've already, <laughs> I like tie dye since as a little kid, cause I was born in the seventies, but you know, I made a tie dye shirt when I was 18, even though I hate the Grateful Dead. So there was there was a lot of talk about the '60s at the time, so I did I did um, watch a lot of footage and video about that time period. I just think it's sad that 1968 was basically over 50 years ago, and we are talking about it right now. And things that remind us, things that are happening right now, reminding us of that time. You would hope that you know we definitely have moved forward in some ways, but sometimes we're falling back too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a good place uh, to end the, this show. Oh, one last recommendation for me. You must watch French the French show. Uh, I love call my agent. I, it's got your name written all over it. I really believe you will love it. And uh, we can discuss that, that if you get a chance. It's on Netflix. I French I show. Watch Pose, and I will watch Pose, too. All right, that's your assignment. All right, Romana. Hey, Romana. Hey, yeah. I was, was going to ask you. Uh, I'm just wondering myself. What do you think? When do you think we'll be back uh, at the Sun Times? Can you give a date? Like a you know, I know, any I can't predictions? Give a date. Um, we were told uh, not at least until the beginning of the year, but I bet you we're not going to be back until the spring. At Ooh. least it could be the summer too. Okay. Yeah. No, we'll be in attics, <laughs> bedrooms. Uh, kitchens, wherever we are uh, for the foreseeable future. All right, Ma- Ramana, take care. Stay you safe and sound. Talk to you next week. That's Bye. great, Ramana Hussein. Every Friday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. D, what you got for me? Any updates? Yeah, we got some updates here. Sorry about that. I was just kind of seeing what, what Ramana thought about that when she thinks uh, we'll be able to go back to the Sun Times, you know? Next spring. I don't think it's, yeah, next spring, man. Oh, happy Easter. I know. <laughs> I don't think we'll be coming back until, uh, obviously, they have some kind of drug that you can take to prevent it. All right, we have, I mean, oh, sorry about that. No, especially after Donald Trump uh, came down with COVID, that's just going to you know, freak everybody out even more. Yeah, you're right about that. And speaking of, we do have updates here. Uh, It says here the University of Utah is moving forward with plans to host the vice presidential debate on Wednesday. How do you feel about that, Ben? You know, good. I've been looking forward to this debate because I believe that Mike Pence will respect the rules governing the debate. And so we'll get to hear each candidate. Uh, And then, you know, if you want a rebuttal, you you let your opponent finish and then you rebut the person. You don't talk over them. You don't interject. Uh, you don't call them names. So I believe that Mike Pence, this is the difference between Pence and Trump, is that Pence, to a certain degree, will follow the rules. Uh, Trump's whole thing is I had rules don't apply to me. 
So I've been looking forward uh, this to, to this debate, and I'm kind of curious how Kamala is going to play it. Uh, so yeah, I am looking forward to this debate. All right. Uh, it says here, uh, well, we do have one new update. Let me refresh and see if that's anything worth mentioning. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Yeah. Larry Kudlow, a senior economic advisor at the White House, said Trump appears to have a very moderate case of coronavirus. Yeah. So, Larry Kudlow, yeah. There's that. Okay. Uh, Dr. Scott Atlas gave an interview to Fox News earlier today in which the White House advisor predicted the president and the first lady would make a complete, full, and rapid recovery and said there is zero, zero reason to panic. But, well, we got a little pushback here from a guy who, I guess he's uh, one of the stars of the week, Chris Wallace. Uh, for good or bad, I'm not sure. But uh, Fox News anchor Chris Wallace, uh, who moderated two Tuesday's debate took issue with trusting Atlas as a source of information. I have some audio here. Let's hear it. Anytime. There we go. Fox has obtained an exclusive interview with Dr. Scott Atlas, who you know is a special advisor on coronavirus to President Trump. Um, he has just given this interview and he said that he expects the president and the first lady to make a, quote, complete, full and rapid recovery after the two tested positive. He says that there is, quote, zero reason to panic. Again, this is an exclusive interview to Fox. Um, he said uh, this is very difficult to avoid talking about the virus itself and then said it is no surprise that people get the infection even with precautions. I anticipate a complete and full and rapid recovery back to normal after his necessary confinement period. I anticipate he will be back on the road in full swing. He ultimately said he is a very, very healthy guy. And the overwhelming majority of people, even at his age, do fine with this. He is very healthy, and so I anticipate the same for him. That's Dr. Scott Atlas, Chris. Well, I'm going to say something. And uh, I, folks, I'm just trying to give you the truth. Dr. Scott Atlas is not an epidemiologist, is not uh, an infectious disease specialist. He has no training in this area at all. Uh, there are a number of top people on the president's coronavirus task force who have had grave concerns about Scott Atlas and his scientific bona fides. Uh, I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback from this. I very much hope everything he say, says is true. One, he can't know because the president is just in the earliest stages of this. And two, uh, you know, I understand the desire of the White House and its political people to, uh, to try to talk this down. And I'm not certainly trying to talk it up. And I hope and pray the president is fine. Yeah. But again, follow the scientists. Listen to people like Anthony Fauci. Listen to people like Deborah Burks, who have been largely cut off. Listen to the independent people who do not have a political axe to grind. And I frankly don't think Scott Atlas is one of those people. And we hope that any pushback from you, Ben Jarowski, on those wow. statements? Yeah, my admiration for Chris Wallace is growing by leaps and bounds. <laughs> First of all, I've been defending him all week. I, I don't know how he could have done any better. And I, every guest who's criticized, like, well, what would you have done? Uh, habit, habit, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody knows. What could you have done? He's the president of the United States. And, he, and Chris Wallace is getting reamed by MAGA. They thought he was unfair. I guess you're supposed to let Donald Trump break every rule. Just let him talk. It's not even a debate. It's Donald Trump debating himself. So we're going to debate whether Donald Trump loves himself 100% or 99.9%. So I feel right there in that segment, what Chris Wallace said was the absolute truth. He did a great job of saying it. Uh, 
that you cannot believe a White House. I started the show by saying that, D. <laughs> you know, it's like, thank you, Chris Wallace, for validating what I said at the start of the show. I can't believe White House doctors. I don't believe White House doctors. I didn't believe them when they said he only weighed 225 pounds. You go, well, that's a trivial thing compared to having COVID. But I just don't believe them. Once you lie about that, you can lie about anything. They're political operatives. They're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I just started thinking of that Trump quote. You play. I'm not a doctor. They're not even doctors. I mean, they're doctors, but they're political operatives in that instance. And so, no, just, I mean, that sounded... That quote from Atlas sounded like something out of the Kremlin. Well, our leader is in great shape. He's on the road to recovery. He'll be right back. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about a thing. You're in the hands of a great man. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just sounded like propaganda. So I do not wish ill will to anybody, okay? I'm just saying I don't believe the White House political doctors and they and the basic point he made uh dennis was a good one it's like i mean he's he just announced that he got it last night so how could he already be on the road to recovery so we'll see will this how this works out um when's the next mayor mayoral debate when's the next presidential debate well who the hell knows now well i'm just gonna look if he's well enough <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep my big mouth shut. Yeah, all let's, right. Let's uh, let's uh, wait till Tuesday to uh, find out yeah, when that is. Yeah, huh? Let's let a few days pass here. Oh, and uh, the uh, next presidential debate is the 15th, October fifteenth. Uh, wow, it's right around the corner. It's in two weeks. So, oh, oh and see. Ben, um, I know on Wednesday you asked me to order this, uh, and I just got an email. Your uh, Chris Wallace poster is on the way. So, don't <laughs> worry. well, I was a big fan of his father. A lot of people don't know this. Chris Wallace had a father in the business. A lot of millennials, their heads are like, boo, whoa. Yeah, a lot Mike of millennials. Wallace. Mike Wallace. I was a great newsman. Uh, and uh, so uh, Chris is a chip off the old block. Hey, I'm works for doctor. Fox, Steve. I'm, I'm not, not a doctor. doctor. Okay, I'm not a doctor. Good times. I'm not a all right, and uh, we'll end it out here with an update on Madigan Gate, the time that utility bigwigs ComEd admitted to arranging contracts, jobs, and payoffs to associates of Michael Joseph Madigan. And for today's Madigan Gate update, we go to the Chicago Tribune in a piece by Ray Long. Now, Ben, we've never really talked about Ray Long much on the program. I don't know much about the guy. Really? Remember the one guy, Rick Pearson? I, I said I saw him once. Yeah, Ricky P. Uh, yeah. See, here's the deal. Do you want to let the cat out of the bag? Oh. I don't really know a lot of reporters in town. You know, Mick Dumkey, Ramana. I met a bunch when I went to uh, the Sun-Times. You know, we, But, you know, I was kind of not really part of the scene. So I don't know this dude. I just know he's been covering politics for a long time. I read his byline. Oh, and, we know, his byline. and we know Maya, Maya Dukmasva, the Chicago well, Reader, which, by yeah, the way, people. Uh, the first Tuesday is back. It's going to be a yes. virtual first, first Tuesday. Go find out the information online. They have a Facebook page, First Tuesday, Maya and Ben, M-A-Y-A, Maya uh, and Ben. The first Tuesday is back. The first Tuesday, uh, it's coming up. It's coming yeah, up soon. Please uh, support that. Uh, it's for the hideout. It's essentially it's important of raising money for the hideout. You hear great political conversation, uh, but uh, the hideout took a hit uh, 
Uh, by the way, again, I'm, I keep promoting Steve James' movie, uh, A City So Real, but Tim Tutton from The Hideout uh, has a lot of, of minutes in the uh, in the movie, and he is on some Tim Tutton t- t- tears, man. Timmy T, he's going strong. Some great uh, Tim Tutton. And Mace Jackson. Lots of Mace Jackson right. in this movie. I like yeah, Mace Jackson. Yeah, I know you're a fan of Mace Jackson. But anyway, please uh, check that out. It's next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And uh, it's $5, a lot of political talk. Uh, Aaron Cedar will be with us from uh, the New Republic. And Lord knows what the world will be happening in the world by Tuesday. I mean, I mean, I right. wouldn't have predicted today, right. you know, yesterday, that we'd be talking about Donald Trump and COVID, uh, having COVID. So Lord knows what Tuesday will be about. But uh, it'll be great political conversation. And it's really important to help the hideout. Uh, you know, I, I mean... I know I'm biased because the hideout uh, allowed me and Mick Dumpke and now Maya to go on their stage and I, I do my lefty spiel and everything. But um, uh, yeah, so I am biased and it's any, any outfit uh, that would open its doors to someone like me that's open-minded enough, you know, to, uh, to allow someone on access to their stage who's critical of Mayor Rahm, critical of Mayor Daley, critical of TIFFs and Lincoln Yards. I got a lot of love for them. So it's a good cause. Not a lot of people. Everybody's scared. Well, Ben, can you, can you, can you watch what you say? Get, get us in trouble. Can you, not, can, you, can you say something nice about the mayor? And Timmy Totten never blinked. Uh, Katie, his wife, they they welcome me to their stage. So a lot of love for the hideout, and uh, it's a good it's a good deal uh, to help them out. So Tuesday, seven o'clock. Thanks, Steve, for reminding me of that. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna promote that. Absolutely, it's this Tuesday. Frank said he already got his ticket. Be like Frank, guys. Uh, find first Tuesday on Facebook. First Tuesday with Maya and Ben. The information should be right there. And Ben, if you only knew all the compliments you were getting today on the live stream chat for these excellent sound effects today, Brianna <laughs> Brianna just said sound effects on point today. <laughs> Brianna, I'm thinking of a second career in sound effects, you know? Get, if I get fired from this gig, like I seem to happen to me a lot, I'm going in a sound effect. Here's the pepper. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, let's. we're going to pepper in a Madigan story here, so let's hear it. Oh, damn that's good all right let's read this piece here from ray long ben i know you wanted to riff on this a little bit and uh, i'll give you the ball after i keep reading okay here we go it says for years illinois house speaker michael madigan has defended his aggressive push to land political allies and their friends and family on taxpayer funded payrolls but rarely has he waxed as philosophically about it as he did last week in a three-page Letter facing intense pressure from a federal investigation into comments, bribes for favor scandal and an invitation from a House Corruption Committee to tell the public what he knows. Madigan's missive broke two months of near silence. The powerful speaker loudly proclaimed his innocence and tried to reframe his penchant for patronage hiring as a virtue. Ben, take it from here. Well, yeah. The, okay, this is a, a very a deep dive for the Tribune into Michael Madigan, and the Tribune's got a thing for Michael Madigan. Uh, they've been going after him forever, uh, which I have to admit has the reverse effect with me of sort of making me sympathetic um, <laughs> to Michael Joseph Madigan. I know I shouldn't say that, 
You know, reporters are supposed to be like, what are we like? Without feeling, we're just machines, objective machines. Well, just the facts, Ben. But it's just, I see the selectivity of the Tribune, who they go after, who they don't go after. And they've been going after Michael Joseph Madigan. And I just want to point out that Michael Madigan, for all his faults, took the stand on behalf of unions during four years of Rauner and on behalf of retired pensioners. Uh, and the Tribune has been always been an anti-union newspaper. That's why I applaud the efforts of their editorial staff to unionize. And they've been um, vociferously against pensions. They call that a waste, but giving money to Amazon is not a waste. So they have their own bias. They pretend they don't have a bias, but they have a bias. All right. So they're going after Michael Joseph Madigan. They're hammering him hard. And that part of the story that I didn't know about, maybe I missed this day. This is my day of revealing of how much I don't know, which is not supposed to do that. You know, yeah, we gotta really work. <laughs> not supposed to. So maybe I missed that he wrote this letter, but the, it was the letter. I was like, oh, Michael Madigan wrote this letter. Maybe I maybe this is the same letter that uh, I uh, I flip-flopped in support of him three weeks ago. Who knows? You know, I'm starting to lose my mind. This pandemic is getting to me. But anyway, they quoted at length the letter. And I got to say, Michael Joseph Madigan made a compelling point for patronage. And here, here's what he writes. Not only, quote, is helping people find jobs not a crime, it's not even ethically improper for politicians to make job recommendations. Quote, to the contrary, I believe that is part of my duties as a community and political leader to help good people find work from potential executives to college interns and more, uh, wrote the 78-year-old Illinois Democratic Party chairman, alluding to some of the very jobs that prosecutors brought up in charging combat with crimes. Quote, what an employer chooses to do with recommendations rests solely with their discretion. And let's see if there's anything else. They should have had a link to the letter. That was my main complaint about the Tribune. By the way, I support the Tribune with my uh, subscription. So Tribune people don't get mad at me about to pay your salaries. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Madigan said there was no conflict of interest in the Tribune's findings, which he described as attempts, strained attempts to link my legislative actions to clients of the firms who might remote. Well, this is an old thing. Anyway, the point is I've had this argument for a while uh, with machine people in, in Chicago. I'm thinking of uh, Alderman Rod Sawyer. Shout out to Rod Sawyer. Uh, Alderman of the Sixth Ward. Is hey, Rod. Jeans there, uh, mayor of the city. And uh, Rod would always defend patronage. We've had conversations. And as he said, Ben, patronage are jobs in the black community. You, you, you know, this is like private firms weren't hiring. You know, the government hired people. They were jobs. And there's a lot of middle-class people who owe uh, their middle-class status to patronage jobs. And he pointed out uh, Michelle Obama's father uh, was a city worker, worked for the water department, I want to say. Uh, and he convinced me. Didn't take a lot. But I view, like, if you have a job and you're working for the city, that's a direct investment in, this, in Chicago. That's why I'm hoping Lori Lightfoot does not bow to the wishes of Johnny C., the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, and take away residency requirements for police officers. I think it's really important for police officers to live in the city of Chicago. They, they have a little more allegiance uh, to the city that way. And they're contributing to the city. There's tax base if they stay here. So I think there was a pretty strong defense of patronage. And um, I know a lot of the good government types out there have been rallying against patronage for a year. But, you know, a lot of the good government types, they, they come from privileged backgrounds. 
their family can send them to uh, good colleges. And uh, then they get corporate jobs in Chicago. And guess what? They look the other way when there's pinstripe patronage. And their law firms get business from the city and then shut up uh, in terms of criticizing the, um, the policies of the city. So I just think there's a double standard when it comes to patronage. If it's like blue collar patronage or people who are working for the city, uh, it's clerks, et cetera, and so forth, there's contempt uh, on the part of many good government types. But if it's pinstripe patronage, it's a, if it's a contract that it's awarded to a law firm, oh, well, we're just looking for the best qualified people to do the job. Well, you know, I just, you know, this is why I feel another flip-flop coming on, Dave. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Get your scorecards out, listeners. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. I uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with the, sorry, Mark Brown. I'm sticking with Madigan for the moment. Let's see where I'm sticking. Let's see what the weekend brings and where right. I stand. I think we've officially lost track of how many times you flipped and flopped. Cause I think an hour ago you already said that Madigan shouldn't resign. And oh, I can't remember. So you're staying your ground. Oh boy. All right. There's a bunch of scratches in everyone's scorecard right now. I try to keep track of all these flip-flops, but D, it's hard. It's really hard, okay? No one wins the prize. But uh, that is our show for the week. Guys, we have Benny J bonus interviews for you to download, all right? Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, available at 5 a.m. You can download these Benny J bonus interviews. I know we recorded one with uh, Samina Mustafa yesterday talking all things the debate. And, well, uh, we... The news didn't break on Trump and COVID, so uh, we didn't really discuss that. But Ben, what are we? Who are we going to be talking with on these well, other bonuses? Uh, Richard Steele. We'll be talking to him in a little while. The legendary Chicago uh, uh, newsman and uh, radio personality. And I know we're going to be talking a lot about Trump and his COVID. See if Richard believes it's real. Uh, and um, this this is a conversation that I set up a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Minster, she's an activist in for the Democratic Party in Wisconsin. It's all about protecting the vote in Wisconsin. See, Dems, now, you can't, you can't lose sight of the goal. You know, I, I, I mean, you can't lose the announcement that Trump has COVID. Is, the election's not suspended. There's still an election. Some Dems, oh, he's got COVID. Maybe we should stop. Dems are so wimpy. Anyway, <laughs> not Ann Minster from Wisconsin, and she's keeping her eye on the prize. Uh, Wisconsin is huge uh, in terms of the Electoral College, and so she'll be talking about efforts to protect the vote in Wisconsin. The Republicans, they haven't stopped. They're still trying to suppress the vote in Wisconsin and Michigan and Texas throughout. So wake up, Democrats. Stop falling asleep. Democrats, oh, Ben, maybe we should just stop because, you know, the president's got COVID. Maybe we should just stop. No! Stop it, Democrats. Stop being so wimpy. Wimpy Democrats. Oh, man. Right, you're just not wimpy. That jag is stressing you out. Here, take this bottle. Crush it. You'll feel better. Ah, there you uh, go. Feel better? There you go. Just think about wimpy Democrats, D. I was, Ben, let's just get along with Republicans. Can we get along? Wimpy Democrats really annoy me, D. I'll take another drink of water. Yeah, please do. Once again, who is that guy smoking back there in the alley? Rodney Davis tried to hide it, voted to keep it a secret. 
No smoking in here, sir. D, I got a feeling if I'm going to, I don't want to do it. I want to take up cigarette smoking. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. But if I really want to advance that career in voiceover work, I don't know. Man, at least reefer. I may have to go back to reefer. Okay. Okay. Just don't admit these things or talk about this on the pod. Save this for when the show's over. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to thank Romano Hussein for doing an outstanding job as she does uh, every Friday. And of course, we have a shout out for the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Alton, jo- Alton Georgia. I don't know Alton, what. Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Alton, Illinois. The man came up with the th- wrestling theory of Donald Trump. I got to give him credit for that. Put it in my brain. I can't get rid of it. The man that Ramada Hussein, Donald Trump, and Ivanka all agree <laughs> goes by the name of Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone.